Snap. We have a sponsor. I want to be clear. This is a cool sponsor, and you should, you really should just go check them out. Like, legit. BustedTees.com. They have a huge selection of geeky hats, t-shirts, stickers, and socks. Themes from Star Wars and Star Trek to Harry Potter, Pac-Man, Back to the Future, other video game references, just all kinds of geeky, cool culture. You're definitely going to find something there that speaks to your inner geek. Here's the deal. At checkout, you're going to see a spot to enter a code. Type in my name, that's Jason, followed by the number 25945. That's Jason25945. Get a pretty sweet discount. There's a link over on the website or head over to bustedtees.com and enter Jason25945 at checkout. Bustedtees.com. Designs that pop culture. Erotica Rose, Erotica Rose. Kevin number two loves Erotica Rose. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Who makes a mixtape? Who needs a mixtape? Who makes a mixtape? Who needs a mixtape? So come on, now listen to our mixtape. Raise the roof and move your face. Come along and laugh with our mixtape. <laughs> So come on, let us listen to our mixtape. Sing along and clap to the beat. Settle in and listen to our mixtape. And now the music finishes. Enjoy your pork chop sandwiches. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the mixtape podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Emmett. I'm Casey Masterpiece. I'm Twisted Kid Matt. Pimp Daddy Spank Dog. And Studie. Hey, we have hey. <laughs> He said again. I don't know. You're a little quiet. I don't know which way. Though. Uh, hello. Uh, hi. There you go. That's better. Yeah, there uh, we, you go. That's just way too much. No. We uh we have yeah, a full yeah. house. We haven't had this in a while, so well, it's not it. a full house yet. I mean, the other two aren't here. <sighs> the so hell are you it begins. You <laughs> need five for. Full we house have or... five, Stu. <laughs> not here. Oh my god, I hate him. I hate him. I I just I didn't even pretend like I don't hate him. I hate. Him. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, uh, we have a show. Uh, Tonight, we decide we're going to rock your socks off. We're going to do that by delivering unto you all our picks for the most iconic songs in 80s movies. It was supposed to be the best 80s movie theme song, but I figured out real quick you guys couldn't figure out how to do that and just sent me whatever song you could think of that was in a movie instead, so I just went with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were pretty good, actually. You were pretty good. You were mostly good. Mostly, mostly good. Mostly good. <laughs> Apparently, I did better than the other two. No, Stu did. Stu did really well. He picked. He picked well. Kevin might have had some issues. <laughs> well, oh, when doesn't Kevin have issues? <laughs> Understanding <laughs> the assignment, but it worked. And I was that's, like, you know what? I think Kevin might be what a little dyslexic. Told my mom. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say about your mom? What'd you say about your mom? That's what. That, that's what the teachers told my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. You better not say anything. Yeah. She's a saint. Oh, damn right she Put is. Put up with you. Yeah. She's a saint. Because uh, I was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> was. Um, so anyway, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you our picks 
for the most iconic songs in 80s movies. We each came with four songs, and then we actually have some some we have plenty of uh, feedback from audience members, including Miss Connie, who gave us some great ones, man. She 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 always mm-hmm. does contribute, and uh, my wife put together a little list which she would pick as well. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so four songs to contribute from each of us, uh, but the list is never really complete without you guys out there. So you can hop onto any of our social media outlets, and we will give you all that here in a few minutes on the show or some point here on the show. But you can go onto any of our social media outlets and let us know what you would have put on your list to us. And Matt, as always, will add it to the playlists. Who does our playlist and then your guys's playlist? So that is all on Spotify. Yes. That is all available on Spotify. <laughs> Correct. Uh, with that being said, we are on, you know, your Facebooks, your your uh, Instagrams, your Twitters, your TikToks, and uh, soon to be YouTube. Yeah. Although technically our YouTube is up, we just oh, don't forget our ma- Mastodon. And now we are on Mastodon. So. May not know it what is. the hell is a mastodon? It is a, it is a Twitter <laughs> yeah. alternative, and since I don't trust Twitter right now, at all, yeah, God knows what's about to happen with Twitter. We are we are on Mastodon. Oh, it God. is very similar to Twitter. It's um, good band. I'm though. determined to get banned off Twitter before I leave Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just talk Spanky. He knows. Elon Musk. No, that, Elon that's more on Spanky. I'm a Facebook offender. Spanky knows how to get banned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are on all of those things, so please check us out uh, and join up and, and have discussions with us and all that good stuff. And do be looking for the uh, YouTube thing to be coming out soon. We've decided our initial launch, our first Twisted Kid is going to be Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So join us over on YouTube, and uh, there are teaser videos now. You can go over and subscribe ahead of time, and that'll be launching here in a couple of weeks. We have what a What is it, almost 4,000 views on Instagram already? Yeah, for just the teaser. Yeah, it's over that, actually. So it's doing it's yeah. doing gangbusters, just the teaser. So Yeah. And then they're like, oh, just God, that, going, hey, guy, guys. that guy's ugly face is going to be, and then we will yeah. never get another view. So. <laughs> 4,618 as of right now. Well, for God's sakes, don't put Stu's face on it. (laughs) Going like this. Yeah, but you know what's fucked up? Everything else has got like 20. Uma, Uma. (laughs) Or the Stuma, Stuma. (laughs) I like that. We should release that. (laughs) I don't, I'd have to look for it. I'm sure I have it somewhere. It's on YouTube. Milk, Milk, Lemonade. That's uh, that's on our TikTok. Milk Milk Lemonade is. Was that like 15 years ago? Oh, God, at least. Something man. like that. Oh, Maybe yeah. longer. Many moons. Probably close early, to that. early stages of podcasting. Well, that was back when Vine was around, I think. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Shit, I think MySpace was around. Memories. Oh, anyway, let's get into this week's show because I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to start off the list with Stewie this week. So I challenged the guys. They, they each uh, gave me four songs they would include if uh, they were making a playlist of you know some of the best 80s theme songs or just iconic songs from 80s movies. I, I'm going to say this, man. The lists are pretty good. I was shocked. They they actually come to me with more than four songs, and what I have to do is figure out, you know, so-and-so pick this one and also this one, and then we just, whoever gets it first kind of gets it. But I was shocked by a couple of songs that just got left off. No one said them at all. So I was a little I was a little shocked by that, like, no one? And I thought of a couple of, the, of them, but I had to pare it down to four. Um, and then there were a couple even I was like, oh, shit, how did I miss that? So it was kind of cool to see what everybody... What everybody uh, put on their list, but we're gonna start off with Stewie's first song, and this is it coming in at number one, Stewie D. 
So that is Eye of the Tiger, 1982 by Survivor. I want to beat some meat right now. (laughs) Keep your dick beaters over there in your corner of the room. So this was... I'm going to try. This was released as a single from their third album of the same name. It was also the theme song for... Anyone? Rocky Three. Rocky Three, which was released a day before the single actually came out. Uh, the song was written by Survivor guitarist Frankie Sullivan and by their keyboardist Jim Pederick. Uh, it was recorded at the request of Sylvester Stallone. And he requested it because Queen said, hell no, you can't play another one by Sedust in your movie. That's actually the song he wanted in, and for whatever reason. Really? Yeah, they turned it down. That so doesn't the, sound like a pump-up song or anything. No, well, I don't know. Uh, Junkyard Dog used it. Uh, so the version that actually appears in the film um, is actually a demo version, and that one contains tiger growls that aren't Rawr. on the album version. Tiger meat. So that also had Dave Bickler on lead vocals. And an interesting thing about this song, Stu, is I assume you picked it for Rocky Three. I just picked it for Rocky. I just the I remember it from the movie. I just I don't remember exactly which particular one. I knew it was. Well, the it could technically be used twice because it was also the theme song for a movie that came out in 1986 called "I Have the Tiger." So, oh, <laughs> and they used it for that as well. So, okay, um, a couple things. It spent 15 consecutive weeks in the top 10, and it is the second longest run of 1982. And the song has been plat- certified platinum. I mean, it's it's a pretty good way to start the list having. Considering everybody knows this damn song, and everybody knows it's from a Rocky movie, even if they can't remember which Rocky movie, right. it's funny to me because it is Rocky Three, and I know it's Rocky Three, but it always feels earlier than Rocky Three to me. Right, but I guess it's 1982, so uh, wasn't the first Rocky in like 79? 70 it had to be earlier than that. Really? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. You figure this one's 82, so we're looking mm-hmm. at. Yeah, I don't think they did Rocky. Then Rocky two a year later, then Rocky three a year later, so probably earlier I mean, than that. So their shorts probably defined the seventies. So Stu's next song is interesting that he picked it. I get why you picked it. I get it. I get it. It's just interesting that Stu picked it. You guys ready for this? Hold All on right. your hold on your butts. Hold on to Frightening that he's over here lip syncing to it. Believe it uh, or not, I used to watch the uh, the, the, TV the TV show, show right? But yeah. also, I remember pretty vividly the break uh, breaking movie. When yeah, like it's Irene Cara. It's Irene Cara. It's Irene Cara. Oh, that was in uh, DC Cab. Oh, was that? Yeah. Okay. Never uh, mind. Not vividly then. <laughs> so, this was written by Michael Gore and Dean Pitchford. It was released in 1980, so it just made it right in the, the start of the 80s there. It Ooh, achieved chart success as the nice. theme song for the famed film and the famed TV series, mm-hmm. uh, and it was performed by Irene Cara, who played Coco Hernandez in the original film. Uh, this song won both an Academy Award and a Grammy. 
So she won a Grammy and the song won an Academy Award. Uh, it's funny, Stu, because I remember the the series more than I remember the movie. Right. I well. mean, that ditto. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, remember that show they, being really good. It was decent, if I remember. And it ran for a while. Like, it's just, it yeah. was like was a seven like or eight. Three? Yeah. No. It was like seven years or something like I, that, that series okay. ran. Right. I want to say, like, it 87, maybe? Uh, mm. Somewhere in that range, yeah. Mm. It ran a lot longer than I, than I, I didn't, I only remember watching the first it, couple years. I don't remember watching after that, so. They had like a spinoff, right, or a sequel. I feel like they. they, they I think they remade, yeah. rebooted the movie a few years back. I think they did that as well, but I feel like they did a tried to do a sequel to the series and it just didn't work. I think we like should a personal problem. I think we should start a thing on the show where we make Matt watch movies that I guarantee he hasn't seen. Like I bet Matt hasn't seen Fame. Nope. <laughs> no the interest. Out, the Outsiders? Well, it doesn't matter if you have interest or not. I watch Street Trash. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's not the way this works, man. I've oh, seen The Outsiders. God. Couldn't tell you anything about it other than something about Pony Boy. Why is that all anybody ever remembers Pony Boy? Stay Golden <laughs> Pony Boy. Because it's a weird name for a person. Well, it's not a it's name. Why? It's a name. Well, there was like, a remake of Fame in 2009. That and then yeah. every person that started in is like a big time actor of some, of some sort. One or dead. Uh, Stu's next song. I thought about arguing a couple of these type of things, um, but then I decided, nah, it's worth it. And if I was gonna let one uh, score on, it would be this one. Uh, because again, I think songs as songs, and not so much just music. Although I get the point, but this one, this one's a little bit different. bet everybody's dancing in their seats right about well, now. Or playing the keyboard. Dude, I, I thought <laughs> it did have a music video on MTV. It had so a music I mean, video. My my initial thought was theme song of a movie, but this, I get it. I get it. And yes. Counts as a song, yeah. And this was uh, technically one of uh, Kevin's potential choices as well. This is Axel F. from the 1984 film Beverly Hills Cop, performed by uh, Harold Faltmeyer. It was a huge number one hit. In 1985, it was uh, number three on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. It also spent two weeks on top of the American Adult Contemporary Chart. This song has been everywhere. It's been in multiple movies. I mean, knowing that it... I remember my elementary school used to play the shit out of this (laughs) for some reason. This is back in the day when instrumentals were big. When what were? Instrumentals. Instrumentals. Well, I mean, like Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock. This was right along that same vein. Uh, Harold Faltmeyer did a lot of this type stuff. He was pretty pretty prolific. And I don't know, man. It's kind of impossible to think about Beverly Hills Cop without thinking about this song. Uh, Furthermore, you know, we had that Crazy Frog version of it years ago, too, which is actually pretty famous as well. So, which, as far as I know, it's just sped up a little bit and they add the little frog going, meep, meep. it's about it. <laughs> but it was yeah. still still pretty popular. So, it, it's a pretty cool song. It's, it's you know, I had to kind of let it. I mean, my brain was thinking songs, like with lyrics, but I was like, yeah, ah, yeah. you know, I mean, it's Axel. Well, when you said theme, I got you. I got you. But it would be cool to do an entire episode of like the best film scores, although I think it will be all John Williams. I still think <laughs> it would be really cool to do. I'm Batman. You're right. You got me there. Dan- Danny Elfman and John Williams. <laughs> so um, that was one that didn't make the list, and I was kind of shocked. Like, I thought about Bat Dance 
I thought about it very heavily for for a few. Like Bad Dance would have been a cool one yeah, to add on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, whatever. All right, so I'm I'm gonna be honest. Stu's last song on the list, his list doesn't shock me at all. It makes perfect sense that Stu would would pick this song. So I'm just gonna go right into it. <laughs> Don't do that. Headquarters. I, I acted like I was going to dive, so Stu had to catch me. <laughs> well, per, uh, Stewie probably listens to this song and dreams of Patrick Swayze lifting him up. So. Who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, hello, it's Patrick Swayze. Uh, I've had the time of my life. 1987, composed by Frankie Previt. Previte. I don't know. Yep. John De, De, De Nicola and Donald Markowitz. Jeez, guys. It was recorded by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes and used as the theme song for the 1987 film Dirty Dancing. There are some really interesting facts about this song, though. Um, the song won a number of awards, including the Academy Award for Best Original Song, the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song, and the Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group. Produced by the head of Millennium Records, Jimmy Leonard, and he asked Previte about writing some music for a little movie called Dirty Dancing, right? So he he approached him and he asked him, we want you to write some songs for this movie we're working on, Dirty Dancing. And Previte said, nope. He said, no, thank you. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm actually trying to get a record deal right now, and I don't want to write songs for a porno because he thought Dirty oh. Dancing was a porno <laughs> based off the title. That's going to come back a couple of times. So... Einer was persistent, and he said, look, man, you do this, I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. So finally convinced him to do it. He wrote a couple of songs for the movie, including Hungry Eyes, which he also wrote for the movie. Uh, that song was later recorded by Eric Carmen, um, which also became a top ten hit. A couple things to know, though. Lionel Richie was originally intended to do a theme song for this movie, but they changed their mind mm. and decided to go with this song instead. I don't know what song they were working on with Lionel Richie. The song wasn't totally ready yet when the movie started, so a demo version was used during filming, and Patrick Swayze has often been heard saying, like, in the past, because he's not with us anymore, but he said that he actually preferred the demo version, which is a little poppier and livelier. Uh, that version was nowhere to be found for a long time, but it was later released in 1998 on Previte's 19... Um, on a reissue of Previte's 1981 album, Frankie and the Knockouts, as a bonus track. So, because they wanted a specific sound, they wanted this song to sound like it was from the era that the movie's based in, they originally uh, approached Donna Summers and Joe Esposito to do the song. But Donna Summers said no, because she didn't like the title of the film, <laughs> Being Dirty Dancing. Uh, it's so weird. Then they approached Hall and & Oates and wanted Hall & Oates to, to perform it with Kim Carnes, but they also declined, and I do not know why. So we got the version we got. I think a Hall & Oates with Kim Carnes version might have been cool to hear, though. But uh, I guess Hall & Oates couldn't go for that. Oh. Uh, no can do. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Oh, man. That's a good one. Um, yeah, there you go. So there was Stu's list. Woo-woo, Stu. Would you care to comment on your list? Why you picked some of the stuff you picked? Because they're great. Thank you, Stu. That's, that's wonderful. 
They're Is that the ones I can remember? <laughs> there, that's what I wanted to hear, so I can think of. I'm not gonna lie, I just couldn't think of shit. That's what yeah. I came up with. Uh, so I, mean, I thought of a few others, but they're not on the they, cupel a cupel others. No, 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 no. It's fine, man. I got you. Whoa. Good morning. So you thought of a cupel others, cupel others um, yeah. but they just didn't work for you, I guess. When, well, I guess you didn't add on. To, well, you well, only selected a couple. Well, because somebody list. might already had it, right? And we have to pare it down yeah, for time's sake. Yeah. Well, the fact that Kevin put his in within five minutes. Kevin was on it. I was like, "Give me your list here." I was like, "Oh God, what the fuck?" He just <laughs> he had didn't finish the second text. He said, <laughs> <laughs> "It was bizarre." <laughs> Like, as soon as you said coffee. it, the five, four or five songs popped into his brain instantly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like instantly. Kevin, Pretty much, the vault yeah. cracked open. Question is, does everyone else know these songs? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, oh, yeah. the most obscure on the list are Matt's, and even those, you'll know all of them probably. But it's Matt's brain, and you know how that works. Well, nobody knows how that no. works, but we know what to expect. Anyway, no, <laughs> we don't know why it works the way it does. It's a little scary sometimes, but... Uh, it is what it is. I'm just curious from all you guys, and I'm going to say out of all these guys, the only one I might think no is Spank Dog. Did you guys like just the first things that popped into your head is what you wrote down? Yeah, pretty much. For me, uh, yeah, pretty much. I had to rack my brain. <laughs> Spanky took a while. I've, I've killed too many brain cells over the years, <laughs> so I had to try and remember a lot of shit. Damn it, 1980, <laughs> well, hell. Spank Dog's list took a little bit. I will tell you one song that I desperately wanted to put on my list, and then, but I was like, I think it's 90, and I looked it up, and it is, and that is uh, Blaze of Glory. Like, Blaze of Glory is 1990, and I was pretty sure it was, so it was. That would have made my list. So, yeah. Well, we're going to go into Kevin's list now. Um, oh, actually, oh. what you're going to find, Stu, in a couple of these, actually, both of uh, you guys are going to find um, where some of your songs went. Because ah. he was there, right? He was already <laughs> yeah, there. He first. nailed it. So, coming, Damn it, Kevin. coming strong yeah. out the gate with one that everybody probably thought of is Kevin's number one choice. Ghostbusters. You better call. Written by Ray Parker Jr. as the theme for the film Ghostbusters. Included on the film soundtrack. Uh, debuted at number 68 in June of 1984. The song peaked at number one, though, on the Billboard Hot 100 in August of that year. It stayed there for three weeks. It was nominated at the 57th Academy Awards for the Best Original Song. But was it really original? And his only song. Um, <laughs> but it lost. Do you guys, uh, does anybody know what what uh, song this lost to? I don't expect anybody to know. Um, what's about Hula Lewis? No. Nope. I just called to Lionel lost to, Did you just say Lionel Richie? My bad. No, was, yeah. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hit him or should I? Uh, we, if we They're keep hitting that... him, then this is just going to get worse. <laughs> right. Eventually, we'll quit talking. Um, Maybe. So, Lindsey Buckingham was actually asked to write a theme song for this movie, but he was afraid he was going to get pigeonholed as a movie theme guy, which worked great for, you know, Kenny Loggins. 
who's going to pop up all over this list tonight. But because he'd done the song for Vacation, which was one of the songs that was potentially on Spank Dog's list, um, which would be Holiday Road. Uh, a song was offered, the, the song was then offered, uh, no, I'm sorry, Glenn Hughes offered a song for the project, uh, but it was rejected for whatever reason. Then Parker was approached. At first, he had nothing. Um, he, he didn't quite know what to do. He said, "I, how do I write a song about Ghostbusters that isn't corny? And then he said he was up one night uh, watching late night TV and he saw a cheap commercial for like a local business. And it reminded him of the scene in the film where they're doing, you know, we're ready to believe you. And he's like, well, then that's what I do. I do make it goofy. I make it almost like an infomercial type song. And it worked. He wrote the song as a pseudo advertising jingle. And as we know, um, he was um, sued for this song by Huey Lewis in the news. I want a new drug. Was uh, oh yeah, I yeah. forgot about dun, that. Dun, 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 same damn song. Uh, but it was settled out of court. Nobody knows how much, but it was settled out of court. And uh, here's the cool thing: the theme for this movie, the Ghostbusters theme song, has been estimated to have added an extra twenty million dollars worth of box office revenue on the movie. Just because of how popular the, the song was, yeah, and everybody knows it, loves it still to this day. And you're right, I don't, I I literally cannot name another Ray Parker Jr. song off the top of my head, but right. I but everybody knows who he is. I want to say maybe either Saturday Night Live or some other skit TV show did a like a parody, uh, did a skit about you know Ray Parker's other songs, so. <laughs> other song <laughs> that <laughs> probably could have been having a little bit of a stroke so. was that it was a song or song that was probably mad tv yeah i think you're right mad tv god is we should do a whole episode on mad tv that was way more quiet than i thought it was gonna be hello <laughs> hello is, is this thing on <laughs> hello is this look thing what on? i can do we, we we just did an episode, Kev. We, you were you were we there. Did an episode of you, you were there. Yeah. Um, I think he was. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> another thing that kind of happened, I noticed, uh, was some crossover from like movie to movie. Um, so whereas Stu came in with his pick for uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Kev came in with his pick for Beverly Hills Cop. Right on. On the street, inside your head, on every beat, and the beats are alive. There you go. Glenn Fry, man. He liked to tell us that the heat was on. Uh, yeah. He's one of the Eagles. This song became a major hit single, reaching number two on the Billboard Hot 100. This is, of course, The Heat Is On from Beverly Hills Cop, uh, performed by Glenn Fry. This song came in the chart just behind. I mean, it was number two. It was beat out by Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. That just seems weird to me because they're not even similar type songs, but whatever. It's the Hot 100, so who cares? No. Uh, in the United States, this is the highest charting solo single for any member of the Eagles. So not the band themselves, but just one of the solos. A solo member of know. the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, which I guess makes sense since I can, can't, I don't know that I can name 
off just without really digging in another solo you know, song from one Ray of the members. Parker should just kind of team up and come up with one song. Between yeah, Dirty Laundry. And hit. Wasn't Don Henley's mm-hmm. Boys of Summer? Yeah, Boys of Summer. This song beat Boys of Summer. Holy crap. That's bizarre. Who'd have thought it? Because Boys of Summer has staying power. Yeah, it's been remade like, a it's few been a, times, you, too. Not many people think of The Heat Is On anymore. Unless it's brought up on, you know, like a weird show or podcast wow. that talks about shit from that the past. That movie had that. <laughs> right. <laughs> wonder who would do that kind of stuff. Only an idiot. <laughs> Only an idiot who doesn't need anybody's love. Yeah, so there you go. Thanks, guys, for making me look like an idiot by saying that. And then you throw out four songs right now. Whoa, that's one. That's one. All right, I said I had to think about it. I said without thinking about it. You're right. Okay. <laughs> well, sometimes I forget that they're solo and not the band. Boys of Summer, I should have thought about. Dirty Laundry. When you said it, it was like, duh. But you know, I mean, as much as we've used that clip on this show. It's been a long time. We haven't. All right, next one, I'm, again, kind of shocked that Kev was the only one that I think threw this song on their list. I'm sure somebody's going, oh, it's on my list, too. Well, I do. Shut up, you're Definitely wrong. not on mine. Because Kevin was first. I know it wasn't on yeah, yours. Yeah, it's like, it might have been on his. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, but this is the first we're going to hear from this particular gentleman tonight. It will not be the last. Here you go. Sorry. Wow. Uh, well, it came in loud, so I went to turn it down a little, then it turned down a lot. Deal. This is Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins, 1986. Uh, the music for this was composed by Giorgio Moroder, which we, might come up again tonight. We probably could have used well. Kenny Loggins on like. Yeah, it just could have just been a Kenny Loggins uh, episode, right. honestly, because. Um, notorious. Yeah. The song was written by uh, Tom Whitlock for the movie Top Gun, the best-selling... So, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Top Gun soundtrack was the best-selling soundtrack of 1986 and is still one of the best-selling soundtracks of all time, which is weird to me because I I knew this song and playing with the boys, which is also and, uh, Kenny Logan. It was just reused in the and, Top ooh, Gun Maverick. And Take My Breath Away, I guess, was on there, too. Mm. Uh, yeah, this, uh, what's weird is, uh, Kenny Loggins sang this, but it was originally supposed to be Toto. Huh. Could have been a different version there. Yeah. Uh, they were supposed to record it, but there was some legal issue with their original lead singer, because I guess it had something to do with, um, the record company contract with the, the theater, or not the theater, with the, uh, production company or whatever. Anyway, it was supposed to be Toto, and then it was rumored that Jefferson Starship was going to do it, and that Corey Hart was going to do it, but then it went to Mr. Soundtrack himself, Kenny Loggins. As I said, Loggins is going to make it on this list again here tonight, but this song reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. Danger Zone was kept out of the number one spot by Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Uh, It became Loggins' second highest chart hit, bested only by his 1984 number one hit that no one said, not one person listed this, Footloose. I, I was wondering. Which none of us picked. But I will say that my I wife... I figured that was a 
give me that. Someone would have done that. My so wife created her own list to tell me to put on the show, and Footloose did make her list. Okay. But shocking enough, not one of us said Footloose. I thought that was weird. I did consider Footloose, along with a couple others that we'll, we'll kind of talk about. We don't really do honorable mentions much on the show anymore because what we realized, if we do that, we, then we can't do a follow-up show because we just talked about all the damn songs <laughs> we would put on there. Good Foot, point. Yeah, but Footloose was definitely amongst the ones that I was kind of shocked. So Danger Zone, Danger Zone made Kev's list. And then he's got one more. This one um, was mentioned by two people, and then, well, we'll just leave it at that for now because it... You'll see. Is this a fifties? Or nineteen ninety-nine? All I wanted to do was play my guitar and sing. So take me away. There you go. <laughs> I went to take a drink. I didn't have enough time. Uh back in time, nineteen eighty five, written by Huey Lewis and Chris Hayes. The song references the events of the film Back to the Future, like all throughout it. Technically not the theme song for the movie, but we'll get into that in a few minutes because, well, hint, hint, somebody picked the theme song from this movie. Huey Lewis was asked by Robert Zemeckis to write one uh, one more song for the film. And that's your first hint, if you don't already know. Um, and he wanted to do it for the film credits, um, which, which he did. He came up with Back in Time. The thing is, is... When he did Power of Love and hint, the other song from the movie, uh, I, we'll, we'll get into this in a second because somebody picked Power of Love, actually, Spank Dog did, and it'll be the next song we talk about it. <laughs> Let's You're just welcome. Say, yeah, I just can't say too much because I don't want to give away that information, but essentially, Power of Love has nothing to do with the movie at all. It's just a song he wrote and gave to him, and we'll talk about why that happened. But Huey Lewis was like, I don't know how to write a song for a movie. I don't, it, I don't know how to do that. And when they actually went and did this, he's like, it was actually kind of like easier than writing an actual song because like I already had the material. Like I didn't have to think stuff up. I just used stuff that already existed, which was kind of cool. Um, and that's it. You want to talk about your list a little bit there, Casey? Uh, no, that's all right. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Chip, chip, chip. <laughs> chip, chip. Oh, you're serious. I, no, I'm, I'm I need you to talk. I want to take a drink of my pot. Uh, basically, <laughs> uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, when I just came up with this list, it was just like, like I said, straight off the dome. You know, after you, I received that text, I was like, all right, let's towards the end of the day at work. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I got five minutes to go. I can come up with about five songs that time. I don't so, even know um, if it took you that long. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were like, slap, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it was a little shocked how fast <laughs> I got that text back. So, so I mean, they just all yeah. popped in there, like I said. It 80s. just all popped up in there, yeah. and you're like, boom, 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 boom. <sighs> he actually sent me six, so actually gave me five, and I said, can you give me one more? Boom! I'm like, all right, cool, we're good. I just we good. farted them out. <laughs> he did kind of <laughs> fart them out to me. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like head at some X likes. Well, we're gonna go into Spank Dogs next, and I'm gonna start with this this song that we kind of just talked about because I feel like it needs to. Well, here. I don't know what's going on. There's a little hiccup. 
Power of Love 1985 uh, released as the album's lead single in June of 1985, becoming Huey Lewis and the News' first chart topper on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, as well as being certified gold and nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Uh, so, like I said, he was approached to write a theme song for uh, Back to the Future, and he met with Bob Gale and Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis, and um, he basically told him, I, I don't know how to do it. And they're like, well, we, we, we want you to understand that in the movie, we want Huey Lewis to be Marty McFly's like favorite band. So it doesn't really matter. We just need a cool song. But he, he at first said no. He said, I, I just I can't do it, and I don't know how to do it. So Robert Zemeckis sits down with him. He tells him, he says, look, you can write any song you want. It really doesn't matter. That's not the point. So he says, okay. And then he gives him. He says, I'll, I'll give you the next song I write. And it happened to be Power of Love. And they put it in the movie. And uh, like I said, it has absolutely nothing to do with the film itself, but it works. And the, the song is played in different parts throughout the movie, and it fits. It works. So everybody kind of knows it as such now. I so. think it's more fitting than the Back in Time song, actually. <laughs> I don't mean. Well, no, I Back in that, Time Can I say something sense. really stupid? Because I totally forgot that this was the actual theme song. I thought <laughs> Back in Time was the actual theme song. I mean, I see that. I can get that. Yeah, because, because Back in Time makes more sense as the theme song. Right. I mean, it tells you the entire movie. Right. They, but it's ended up, they play Back in Time a couple little clips throughout the movie, and then it's actually played during the end credits. Power of Love is the song that kind of opens up early in the movie. Actually, as soon as he hits the guitar thing, it goes flying. And then he, the next scene is him like going to, and they're playing. Yeah, going to school. And he's, he's playing Power of Love. So it's a smart move because the song has tons of spoilers. So you don't. Yeah. And what was what was it? another cool factor was that Huey Lewis was the he's the uh, the, the, the teacher or whatever the, he was. Yeah, the, yeah that's right. Not the principal, the, but the guy like. I, I, I'm they sorry, could guys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. You're just too darn loud. Um, yeah, that was it for the Battle of the Bands or whatever that they're going to be the talent show or whatever the hell. What was, was the name of Marty McFly's band in that movie? I don't remember. Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? No, nope, but that would have been weird. Right. The, <laughs> the Pinheads. If, if it was Bueller, <laughs> it would have been weird. Uh, it's a great song. It's a great song. I actually like it better than Back in Time. And, of course... Um, and I expect somebody to hit this really quick for the third Back to the Future movie. Double Back. By? ZZ Top. Fucking love it, too. And they're in that movie. Yes. They have a cameo in the movie playing an old-timey version of Double Back. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that one. With and the they spinning did the spinning guitars. Guitars. Yep, it's so good. Uh, but that was, I think the third one didn't make it into the 80s, right? Did the third one make it into the 80s, or did it come? I right? think it was like early, early 90s. It might have been 1989. It might have just breezed in because they did two and three back to back. Yeah, it was pretty much. Yeah, it was one of the first film series I remember releasing back to back. Like it was like well, less than years a year. after the first one that did. Uh, what did it? It was in nineteen ninety. So that means part two was nineteen eighty nine, and then part three was nineteen ninety. Wasn't even supposed to be a trilogy to begin with. The endings were done as a joke. Well, the, the to be continued, the was. to be continued, if I recall, wasn't originally on it, and then they said to put it on there and like kind of a jokey kind of thing, and then it was like, oh, we need a sequel. So yeah, there's some interesting things about those movies. If you don't know, like the original um, Time Machine was a refrigerator, and they needed a nuclear bomb 
interesting because that scene ended up become being in a nuclear Indiana bomb. Joe. Yep, a nuclear <laughs> bomb and a refrigerator. Yes, I, I did hear something funny. Uh, the DeLorean wasn't originally supposed to be the the car that they were choosing. I think Ford was trying to have the Ford Mustang. It's and possible. I'm, I'm glad it. I remember didn't. hearing something that they wanted a like futuristic looking car, like right. something. The DeLorean with, is about as futuristic as you can yeah. get. In the at, 80s, at least, right? yeah, back then. Yeah. Um, and then I know you. Know, you said you mentioned that, and you yelled Indiana Jones. It's it's weird how that stuff happens because in a if you ever hear Kevin Smith tell the story of he was writing a Superman movie at one point in time. And they kept, you know, of course, execs kept jumping in and telling him, we want this, we want that, we want this, we want that. And he's like, I don't, it's just good. He ended up stepping out because it was too much. But they wanted a giant mechanical spider. Yeah, I've heard that. And he's like, what? This doesn't even make sense. Like, and he, so he ended up backing out. Yeah, he wild, said wild, something wild. like and it was the like, dumbest thing ever. And then like a year or two later, Wild Wild, wild, wild West. West came out and it was the same people. And it was a giant spider. mechanical spider. And uh, that'll just show yeah, you how. That, yeah, that movie didn't do too well, as I recall. Yeah, it'll just show you how interference from execs can really f up a movie. I mean, and then it was okay, but it wasn't great. But what's weird is then when the the Henry Cavill Superman movie came out, there was also a big giant metal spidery type creature that they fought out by the water or whatever. I don't know. I blocked most of that movie out. But Jeez, yeah. all right. So the next one on Spank Dog's list. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Kevin went with this movie. It didn't make his list, but it was one of his choices. Um, but but this is well here. I'm actually very surprised this wasn't Kevin's top. Uh. Well, it's not one of Kevin's favorite uh, songs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my least favorite Prince song. Really? Kevin, Kevin, it doesn't mean he doesn't like it. He's just saying it's his yeah, least it's favorite. it's a good song, but it's my least favorite. Uh, Kevin actually had, at one point, put When Doves Cry on his list. Um, mm-hmm. But we went pur- with Purple Rain because it's actually the theme song for the movie. Purple Rain from 1984. Uh, this is Prince, of course. Um, we've, I think, all seen Purple Rain at some point. Time. Matt, have you seen Purple Rain? Yes. Matt. Okay. I didn't know if he was still awake. Right. I was going to say, awake? I haven't heard him for a while. So. Matt, are you awake? <laughs> or um, are you still getting attacked by figures? <laughs> he's watching a movie right now. It was a Funko attack before the show started. He was attacked by Funko figurines um, and scissors. They came at him with scissors. It happened. Was it Edward Scissorhands Funko Pop? That would have been fun. <laughs> that would have been, been ironic, right? Um so the song reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and stayed there for two weeks, uh, being kept off the top spot by fucking Wham! with their Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Uh, it, it did reach number one in a lot of countries, though, just not here. It was certified gold by the RIAA and uh, considered to be one of Prince's signature songs. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but following his death in 2016, it rose to number one on the U.S. and U.K. iTunes charts once again. So it once again reached this time it reached like number four on the Billboard Hot 100. So just a little ditty by Prince, you know, nothing major or anything. No, um, this is one of those things where it's like you know comes from a movie that we've all seen. I don't know if it's fair to say we love the movie. It's pretty bad, but 
but we all kind of appreciate the pretty bad movie. <laughs> it's a fun yeah. movie. It's mm. a fun movie. You know, it's a, uh, it's a movie. It's a, it's a <laughs> it's fun movie. So fun. It's a movie. Is it fun? It's kind of boring. Uh, to and be Prince honest, Prince is kind of the asshole. I mean, you kind of wonder like who's the good guy in the movie. Morris Day. Morris Day does make that movie. <laughs> he does. He's one of the most fun parts in the movie. The movie's a little yeah. slow. All it's... I have to say about Morris Day. Oh, oh, oh. Jungle love. Thank you for sending the Muppets version of. Uh, yeah, that was. That they was were sending good. Muppets videos to me yesterday, which is always good. You know, I know they're doing. The Muppets are doing that. The series of Dr. Teeth. They're going to do a Disney Plus series. And I, I was thinking about it yesterday because you guys were sending over Muppets music videos. And I'm like, these are so good. And like when the Muppets do their music videos, everybody enjoys them. And I'm like, I hope what they're going to do is what they should have done when they tried to re-release a Muppets TV show. And it bombed because it was horrible. I don't know what they were thinking. They should just do like another pseudo variety show where they have musicians on and stuff. And then they do their own music videos on the show and just introduce it like that. Cause that's what everybody enjoys. That's why everybody liked the Muppet show back in the, in the day. Yeah. So there you go. There's two Spanky is, um, I want to, I want to let everybody know my appreciation for spank dog, um, for, for what he's about to give to us. I didn't think about this. My brain never went this direction. <laughs> Actually, I never thought about either of your next two songs. Somebody else did think of one of them, but not this one. And I appreciate you so much for this. We gonna make a couch potato out of you. Just crank up the volume and yank off the knob. We got it all. 1989 UHF Weird Al from the film UHF. This movie was overlooked. Uh, I'm sorry. This movie was overlooked. And so the album was also overlooked. People just sort of forgot about it. Uh, The UHF soundtrack is one of Yankovic's few studio albums not certified either gold or platinum. So that's kind of a big deal. It would also be Yankovic's last studio album to be released on vinyl in the U.S. until Alpocalypse came out in 2011. Still, fans love both this album and the movie, and they've kind of become cult classics at this point. Uh, The soundtrack had favorable reviews overall, but was mostly lost as, like I said, the film had a limited theater run and people just sort of weren't paying attention. The UHF video featured Yankovic and his band parodying other musicians and other music videos um, interspersed with like clips from the actual movie. Uh, some of the people they parodied in music videos they parodied were Guns N' Roses uh, with Welcome to the Jungle, ZZ Top's Legs, The Beatles, uh, Your Mother Should Know, George Michael's Faith, Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love, Prince's When Doves Cry, and um, and 1999, Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime, and Girlfriend is Better, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, Billy Idol's White Wedding, and Rebel Yell, and NXS's Mediate. Also, Randy Newman's I Love L.A. Isn't All of those were parodied throughout this song. I thought he wasn't allowed to do any Prince's stuff. He parodied them. They weren't 
he didn't like do a Prince song. He made fun of some of the videos. Uh, no, he was he. Uh, rumor has it he'd approached Prince a couple of times over the years, but Prince being Prince, it just never happened because yeah. Prince is not going to let. And we're talking about the although you and, know what and fair. Nobody can't take a joke. You know what? Maybe he should try now. I'm pretty sure somebody. I'm, there's probably some yeah, ironclad. There's probably <laughs> yeah. some ironclad stuff on Prince's estate. My it's friend. probably put in. His final will well, and testament. No songs are to be well, done it's more, or covered by Weird Al. Okay, so let's look at this. Over the years, like seriously, let's over the years, even just recently we had that the Queen song that was re, re, remastered and yeah. released. We've had a couple of Michael Jackson songs. We've had a couple of Queen songs, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, apparently Tupac had like 15 albums after he <clears throat> died. Uh, In you air know, quotes. <laughs> we all know for a fact that Prince... Prince's estate has like a vault full of stuff. Mm-hmm. We all know it. Film, yep. music, everything. And how much stuff has been released? Like one album, right? No. Uh, it's been a few albums. Uh, oh, but well, they must not do that good. Yeah, they did pretty, pretty good. Really? I didn't know anything about it. I knew about one. I didn't hear about it. They uh, like did like uh, re-releases of uh, we'll say 1999. Well, that Purple doesn't Rain, re- re-releases and, isn't what I'm talking about. No, but the, here's the thing: the re-releases contain like I want to say three additional album albums worth of songs attached to the original um, soundtrack of like Purple Rain or the original album of 1999. Okay, so then so comes the like, question: all these kinds of B-sides. You said they did really well. Would they have done well? As, as an album on their own, or I think they would have. Do you think they tacked them on because they knew they'd get more sales if they released? Like I'm curious. We don't know, but I, I think they would have done great on their own. But I think it was like a judgment call from Paisley Parks. You know? Well, if you put so. if you put the extra stuff on their hottest the two hottest selling albums, you're going to get more sales well, overall, right? Yeah. Right, because you're going to have more songs. Like if you would have put all the new stuff on an album or released it, you'd have sold that album. Now they can mm-hmm. put a couple on Purple Rain and release it. Now they can put a couple on. Mm-hmm. They're going to have more. In the end, they're going to make more money. So it's, and that it's just true. Shoot, that just shoots those two albums back to the top of the charts. Again. Also, you almost guarantee sales. Whereas if you release an album of all new stuff nobody's ever heard. That or just have a song on a current uh, TV show and it shoots you right back up in the top 100. Like what? Master of Puppets. Oh. Stranger Things. I'm going to say how much I appreciate that he dressed up as Eddie from yeah, Stranger Things. Yeah, that was pretty dope. <laughs> well, yeah, he year. better appreciate it. They're like well, back up on top again. I don't think they're, yeah, but I don't think they're struggling. No. They but, still sell yeah, out. Yeah, now they, have you heard about all these people trying to get uh, Master of Puppets canceled because it was in Stranger Things and they didn't like it? <laughs> how, how can you cancel I don't know what that album. means. Because, mean? because Metallica is so mainstream and they shouldn't have been in that, even though they were, f- that music was from that time period, which which fits the show. Right. There's well, so many people that, there was a lot of a lot of the younger generation bitching about it. I, I've seen well, it all bitching over. Bitching about it doesn't mean anything. Right. Cancel they, no, they're trying to do the whole cancel thing. Oh, they, cancel, they what are they canceled. trying to cancel? I don't know. It's. Oh my God! This song is doing well again. Stop yeah, it! Exactly. Thank you, brought the anger this morning. I did. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I told you it's been one of those weeks. <laughs> but you're here now on the mixtape with us. So was it you that was being chased by the cops that drove by me last night? <laughs> no. Hey, oh, uh, Spanky, okay. I got that some was news me the other night. Spanky does have another song, and this is a good one. 
<laughs> and I think uh, we're all going to like it. Somebody else tried to add it to their list, but it made it on Spank Dogs. Here you go. That scream I hear. Yep, Cry Little Sister from 1987, written by English singer-songwriter Gerard McMahon, a.k.a. Gerard McMahon, a.k.a. G. Tom Mack. Yeah, you heard me. Gerard McMahon. Mahon? Then Gerard McMahon, then G. Tom Mack. Pick, you know, McMahon. This song peaked at number 15 on the Billboard 200, uh, despite appearing on the soundtrack to The Lost Boys, the song's lyrics. Do not specifically reference vampires. Does it need to? As it was composed before McMahon had uh, seen any footage from the film. After hearing the track, director Joel Schumacher commented, You nailed my theme song to The Lost Boys. I can't believe you wrote this without seeing a frame of film. Uh, G. Tom Mack has said since then, um, I, I, I always say that if I'd seen the film first, I would probably not have written Cry Little Sister. I didn't want the song to be specific to vampires. I wanted it to be about the longing for family from a rejected youth's perspective, which I went through myself and that many of us have felt. Uh, yeah, Cry Little Sister was also on one of Stewie's picks, but Stewie, you know, didn't deserve it, so I gave it to Spanky. <laughs> You're <laughs> it's a, not good enough. It's a really good I'm song. I'm not worthy. So this song is really, really good, and it sets the tone of the movie a lot. And I, we had some of our... Um, some of our uh, listeners Best vampires ever reach out and I, I got I'll go ahead and get into this for a second um, when I asked of course if anybody out there had anything now to there's add. actually a I heard a another version of this so there's song. a couple versions yeah I heard the uh, there's another one by Zug Island well, I, I haven't heard that one there's one that was just released like there was, this past year well there was one that was released for the sequels sequel movie oh. the tribe or whatever as well, <laughs> called I think the band was called Astrid or something like mm. that. It's it's okay. Um, so we've had actually multiple versions of the song, and G. Tom Mack even re- like released a updated version of it. So there's been multiple. I, I still think my favorite version of the song is the um, live performance at Horror Hound that they did. With yeah, so it. we met him at Horror Hound. Yeah, that was pretty dope. We were actually going to have him on the show. Um, it's just been difficult. It was difficult figuring out. A, I mean, he's he's in England. Yeah. And uh, figuring out a time became. So you'd have to do it like two in the morning. Really difficult. Well, I'm sure we could have figured it out, but it did become difficult to pull off. So it ended up not happening. I do want to say that um, one of our listeners, uh, Mike, Mike Brinkman, you know who you are, sir. Um, <laughs> he said, he said, Echo and the Bunnymen cover of People Are Strange from the Lost Boys. Wait, or Lost in the Shadows by Lou Graham for The Lost Boys. Or maybe Good Times by NXS from The Lost Boys. Or maybe I Still Believe by Tim Capello from The Lost Boys. And then he said, hell, can we just do a show on 80s soundtrack albums? To which I told him, yeah, that'll happen. (laughs) 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 He's not wrong, though. The Lost Boys soundtrack is freaking great. I've been trying to get it on vinyl for years. It's hard to find and very expensive. Um but the whole album, I would, I'm going to say this, maybe it's unpopular, as not being a huge Doors fan, the Echo and the Bunnymen cover of People Are Strange to me is, like, way superior. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. Of the Doors? Yeah. 
you know, it's a lot of droning and then it's, 20 it's, minutes of organ music. Yeah. It's, it's okay for like about 30 seconds and then yeah. you're like, hey, let's move on. I'm not a huge Doors fan, but I can tolerate them. I, I always expected there to be like, dun, 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 dun. Like, where was that organ the whole time I was listening? Or like just play Doors music at, you know, <laughs> or, or, the, all or the, the organ country, from uh, Inagata De Vida. Ooh, <laughs> that would be cool at a baseball game. Oh, it would be great if you're you're just at a game next week and it's like it just starts playing. You're like, what's happening here? Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I just wasn't a fan. Now, uh, in high school, one of my one of my buddies was like a huge Jim Morrison fan, so I'd always have to listen to the Doors with him. And uh, it's not that I hate him; I didn't hate him or anything. Just, just got burned out on him. Yeah, very fast. Got burned out on the burnouts. It was so. easy to kind yeah. of drone I out definitely could not have. It's kind of like Nirvana for me. I like some songs, but I could not sit and listen for hours on end. I would. Yeah. I would. Uh, well, I mean, Teen Spirit is probably their happiest song. That's I mean, not true. Nirvana very, actually has a couple depressing. happy, uplifting songs. They're just hard to find. Yeah. They're buried right? very deep far in there. My problem with Jim Morrison is I didn't consider him to be a great lyricist either. Let's see. Uh, I'm supposed to be like this fantastic like a poet. Dog without a bone, an actor out alone. <laughs> like, what rhymes with bone? Uh, he like sometimes he rhymed the words with the same word. <laughs> like it's just you know, you gotta yeah, love your man. Yeah. Take him by the hand, make him understand. Uh, come on, baby, light my fire. It's time to set the night on fire. fire. <laughs> like just saying, Jim. <laughs> That's um, a great lyricist, right? But I think he was known because, like, stoners would just really zone out to the, you know, to that music. Mm-hmm. Like, you just really stone, get stoned, and woo, probably pretty trippy. That I could see. So, mm. uh, acid-based band. So, Spank Dog, that was your list. Would you, would you like to talk about why you made some of the choices you made on your list, sir? Um. I just like the movies and the songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were they were good songs. Those were songs that were very iconic growing up. I mean, anytime you heard that song on the radio, you just automatically associate it with that movie. It's weird that you say that because I, I love The Lost Boys, one of my all-time favorite films ever. And I love the soundtrack and I love that song. I don't remember ever hearing that song on the radio one time my whole life. Mm-hmm. We all know it. I don't think I've that one. I don't remember on the radio either. Yeah, but the rest, know. like UHF, that was kind of a that was well, that was a gimme. But yeah. I mean, the other two definitely dominated the radio for years. But mm. I, I'm not like when anytime I was out and I, I heard happened to hear "Cry Little Sister," I automatically thought, "Oh, that Lost Boys, I know that song." I'd have been more shocked by anybody else putting UHF on their list, but you. Didn't shock me at all. You or I, I could totally have seen because we love that movie. Yeah, like, very much love that movie. Supplies. So. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Movie. You're so stupid, <laughs> Cooney. <laughs> What's in the box? Nothing. You're and so stupid. <laughs> uh, now we're gonna go into Matt. So Matt's in, uh, list is interesting. Um, not that we don't know it. Everybody knows almost every song on it. Uh, Matt's just brain just works different than the rest of us. And uh, so he went a little different direction. So we're going to start off with Matt's first choice right here. Forever, 
did I not think of this one? There you go. Dream Warriors docking. Written by members of the band George Lynch and Jeff Pilson for the movie. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Um, the song was released as a single in 1987, charting at number 22 on the hot mainstream rock charts, uh, and was also released on Dawkins' fourth album, Rock for the Attack, or Back for the Attack, or Rock for the Attack, Back for the Attack. Uh, yeah, I was actually, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if you had to put Dream Warriors on it. Actually, I'm surprised I didn't do that. That you didn't think of Dream Warriors. Yeah. Matt? Yes. Dream Warriors. He's been very talkative. Yeah, you're a little out of it tonight. Yeah, right. I'm working on stuff. <laughs> it's, a, it's from the concussion uh, from the shelf attack. Kevin. I mean, I right. <laughs> Did anybody catch Kevin's response? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, man. You sounded like Tony the Tiger and some shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. He'd be obnoxious to hang out with. Tony Kevin? the Tiger. Tony the Tiger? Yeah. No, not Kevin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, we were just thinking the same about you. Hey, hey uh, Tony, you want some? Uh, you want a peanut butter sandwich? Yes. Want some jelly? I do. What flavor? Grape. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> oh, you picked Doc and quit fucking around doing other stuff and pay attention to the show. Yeah. Hit pause. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what so you want to talk about? You pick the the song "Dream Warriors" right, cool. that you put on your Let's list. Pops towards the skull. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Did you? <laughs> Is he all right? Is he smoking? Are you? Did you hit your head? From no. the shelf attack. Uh, oh, oh God! He's got Matt, a concussion. Matt, they can't yeah. hear. They can't hear us. Are the Funko Pop currently holding you hostage? Do you need help? I was blinking once for twice yes. for we can't signal, see you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this isn't the big cast. Oh God, Matt, you picked Dream Warriors. What made you yeah. pick Dream Warriors? Yeah. Yeah. Uh to be perfectly honest, when you had asked us, it was right around Halloween time. Yeah, uh, your list is gonna, had, uh, no let me shit, guess uh, really? your entire list is Halloween. Yeah, I mean a couple of them. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's yeah. all. Your list is starting to make sense. <laughs> they were very fresh in my mind as I had uh, procured clips to play. Oh yeah, did you just have that trivia lunch? night thing? Okay. Yeah, he did that trivia night thing too at Halloween as well. So mm-hmm. you know where Matt's brain is going. Well, Matt, let's uh, let's show where his brain was for his second choice right here. Quite possibly one of the cheesiest ass songs of all time. This is the Ramones with Pet Cemetery from their 1989 album Brain Drain. Uh, the song was originally written for the Stephen King 1989 film adaptation of Pet Cemetery. It became one of the Ramones' biggest radio hits and was a staple of their concerts during the 90s. Uh, so Stephen King is a huge Ramones fan. If you guys did not know this, I actually did know this. He loves the Ramones. He actually. When they did the uh, tribute album, uh, Happy, We're a Happy Family, he wrote the liner notes for it. So he talks a lot about it. Um, and uh, in the movie, Pet Cemetery, when the, um, the truck driver who 
takes Gage out with his truck. Uh, Spoiler, damn. Takes off down the street. It's kind of the plot. I mean, it's like, yeah. uh, when he takes off down the street, he is, in fact, listening to the Ramones in his truck. Mm, so 30 years later. Um, spoiler alert. So he's a huge Ramones fan, and he invited the band to his uh, home in Bangor, Maine. And um, they were, I guess they were doing a show in New England. Uh, and he handed Dee Dee Ramone a copy of his movie, or his book, Pet Cemetery, And... Uh, the bassist uh, retreated into the basement. And an hour later, he returned with the lyrics to Pet Cemetery. Uh, the song peaked at number four on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart and number six on the Radio and Records New Rock chart. So there you go. It plays at the end of the movie, Pet Cemetery by the Ramones. Also, we can see where the whole Halloween thing is still popping up. And you can't go wrong with the Ramones. No, no. I mean, well, you can, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's there's not they're not all hits. They're not. But, uh, they're not all. I'm hits. a big fan. No, they're not all they're meant not to all be hits either. So yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't think that was ever their intention. If they had one, they had one. But I don't think they were trying for them. If you know what I mean. That's just what. By I the way, let's uh, let's take a quick second to discuss the uh, perfect casting of Joel David Moore as Joey Ramone in the movie CBGB. If you haven't seen it, have not. Yeah, yeah, and Joel David Moore. CBGB? Yeah. I, I didn't know it was, but it would probably be a pretty cool movie. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a loosely based biopic of the uh, the club. The venue. Yeah. yeah. CBGB. What, what uh, platform is that on? Streaming? I don't know it, where I could find out, but well, please uh, yeah, do. Taylor Hawkins plays Iggy Pop in it, I believe. Really? Taylor Hawkins? Yeah, I've actually oh. heard about this movie. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, let us know, and we'll uh, check it I'm out. He'll put it. it he'll put it on some of the socials so you guys can go find it too. Yeah. Uh, so the next song on your list we've oh, talked YouTube. about here before. Tubi, is it on Tubi? Holy shit, dude! Okay, or not Tubi? YouTube, Tubi, Pluto, Vudu, Amazon Prime, everywhere, Plex, and Freebie. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> All righty then. Um, so there you oh, go. By the way, Hilly is played by uh, Alan Rickman. Oh, oh, so this is an older movie. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Um, yep. So the next uh, song on your list we've talked about on the show before, but we're going to talk about it here uh, just for a few seconds tonight. There's not a lot about this song. It's hard to find info, to be honest, but here you go. Rock until you drop. Michael Sambello, yes, Michael Sambello of the Maniac fame. 1987, this song was for the film Monster Squad, which we have discussed here on this show previously. We've talked about uh, Monster Squad, and we've talked about this song numerous times. Uh, this is another one of those where the song doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, and to suggest it's the theme song might be tough because there's actually a Monster Squad rap song at the end of the movie that's probably technically the theme but this is the song everybody remembers when they talk about Monster Squad. It's the, this is the montage scene in Monster Squad, and it's an awesome yeah. song. I totally get why you picked this, man. I know you well enough to know your feelings on Monster <laughs> Squad and your absolute yeah, love for the movie. My uh, complete disdain that it's not on Spotify so I can listen to it all it's, the time. It is it a hard to find this either. song. You're not wrong. It is yeah. difficult, and it's difficult to find information about the song. So, yeah. 
you're not wrong. It is a uh, it's a difficult. And if you want to go back and listen to our Andre Gower interview, uh, he, yeah, he talks about it a little bit and why we, it's not that easily readily available. Yeah, we do a whole interview with Andre. Uh, I've been talking to Andre a lot recently about some upcoming projects. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm supposed to call him tomorrow. So I'm going to have to check on that. I think last week discussed if it was tomorrow. Call me. He gets pretty busy, and uh, so do I. So it happens. Um, Matt's last song I could kick myself in the ass for not thinking of. Um, Out of all the songs on everybody's list, this one probably holds the most nostalgia for me. So here you go, Matt. Neverending Story, 1984, by Lamal, from the movie of the same name. Out of all the songs we have tonight, like I said, this one holds the most nostalgia for me. Uh, produced and composed by Italian music musician Giorgio Moroder, who we talked about earlier. Uh, this song hit number six on the U.S. Billboard Adult Contemporary Charts and is on the soundtrack for the movie and also on the album Don't Suppose by Lamal. We all know this song because of Neverending Story. We grew up hearing the song forever. And unlike some of the other songs we talked about, I have heard this on the radio actually many, many times in my life. I love this song. I will say that growing up, I sorry, Lamal, I didn't know Lamal was a dude <laughs> for a long time. Originally of Kajagoogoo. Yeah, from Kajagoogoo fame. I didn't know. I was a kid. You got to understand, I just heard the voice and. You know, did not realize yeah. Lamal was was a dude. It's like Tracy Chapman. I thought was a dude. Uh fair, fair. We yeah. want to do an episode. My wife Even pro- watching the video. I thought she was. My wife dude. proposed an episode, which I think is a cool idea. People who had like a number one hit, like with a band, and then so they were a uh, one hit wonder with a band, and then came back and were a one hit wonder by themselves. Tracy Chapman is not amongst those. She had two one two hits in different decades, but would that be considered a one hit wonder then? No, okay. but you made me think of it because anyway, that got brought up because of that. But like um, right. Everlast, for example, ah, jump would have one with House of Pain, House of Pain, yeah. and then he would have a hit by himself. That might be a really fun topic to get into once trying to figure out mm. people that had two hits but with a band and then separate. So, um, do you need to go? We're gonna let Spank Dog go. Um, he has some some important air runs to run. We're gonna let Spank Dog go. We appreciate that he got stopped by and deliver his list onto us. And then we're gonna continue Take dog. with my list. Uh, but I think right here is where we're gonna insert a little pause. We're gonna go ahead and give you all. Well, our social, I will say this before I leave, since media. I'm not gonna be here for the end of the show. Stop. Everybody, stay awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get that in there. Hey, that's probably right the most now. clear we've had it in a long time. You anyway, know, you should cut that out and just add it to the end. <laughs> Wow, Stewie had a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like all the mess ups. Um, so we're going to let him go. We're going to go ahead and insert a break here, and then we're going to come back and finish out with my list um, right after uh, these important messages. Drop us a line. Our awesome email is your mixtape podcast at gmail.com. You can always leave us a voicemail, too. 513 He Rad 77. That's 513-437-2377. Hey, you should be checking out the website because it's awesome. 
www.themixtapepod.com. Bios, upcoming interviews, links to shows and past guests, recipes. No, no, seriously. There's there's like a recipe for pastry crack, which is just awesome stuff. You you need to go check it out. Plus, you'll find ways to follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and our fan page on Facebook. Tapeworms, fans of the Mixtape Podcast. Seriously, the website is awesome. And if you go there, you'll be awesome too. www.themixtapepod.com Alright, so there we go. Uh, Spanky had an appointment to get to, so we had to let him go. But that's okay. We're still here, and we still have one more list to get through. Now we're going to go over some of the lists that the um, listeners presented to us, which is pretty cool, too. All right, so we're going to go into my list, and we're going to start off with this little ditty right here. Now, I don't want you to say anything, and I'm pointing at Stewie. Uh, Don't say anything. I want to see if the other two can tell me what movie this song right here was in. All right, this is obviously Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears from their 1985 album, Song from the Big Chair. Uh, Can either of you two tell me what movie this song was from, Matt Uh, or Kev? Jeez, I used to know this. Um, I want to say it's like, was it a song from the, like a Brat Pack song? He was not part of the Brat Pack, actually. I was he, I was thinking the big chill for he's, some reason. He's very Brat Pack adjacent, but I don't think he was ever officially part. Now, not the big chill either. Brat Pack adjacent. This is a Val Kilmer movie. Oh, is it from Real Genius? It is from Real Genius from uh. 1985. Yes, the song is from Real Genius 1985. Great freaking movie and that yeah. iconic ending with the popcorn and everybody running towards the house and this song playing the in the popcorn. background. I, that's why I love popcorn. In other words, I didn't choose this song for Dennis Miller is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I picked it because of Real Genius. Uh, what, what a fun movie. Um, I have to watch that soon because my wife informed me that she's never seen it. It's one of the ones she's never seen. So we'll have to see I actually just rewatched it. it about a month or so. Did you? And it holds up, right? It's still, still really good. For the most part, I mean, definitely. Uh, what's his name? Uh, his friend, uh, the young kid. Well, the kid that's actually movies. <laughs> his kind hair of about. is awful. Oh yeah, he's supposed to be a little nerdy kid. So whatever. Um, but yeah, so I picked everybody wants to rule the world, uh, cause it's from that movie. It makes me think of that movie every time I hear it. It's a great song. I saw it, got to see, we got to stew it. I and my uh, wife got to see Tears for Fears, uh, back at the beginning of the summer this year. So they just kicked off their new tour and, uh, came back with some new stuff and we got to see them at their first concert in like so many years. Weren't we the first show yep. of the leg yep, to, we or were. the tour? We were the first, so. Uh, then with Garbage, as a matter of fact, he's another band. First time I've ever seen them. Uh, both of them, I would assume. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you, you'd seen Tears for Fears before? Mm-hmm. Um, next one on my list is one that, uh, again, I think, uh, I know, I'm pretty sure Stu threw it out there. It was on a couple of different lists, but uh, I was first, so I got it. I'll be alone, dancing, you know it, baby. 
right. Don't you forget about me. Obviously for the movie The Breakfast Club. Uh, written and composed by the producer of the film, Ken Forsey, and uh, Steve Schiff, who was a guitarist and songwriter from the Nina Hagen band. Uh, this is from 1985. The movie's also from 1985. So a little story about this. The song was written with Simple Minds in mind, right? This is They wanted uh, Simple, Simple Minds, Minds. To, to play the song. Uh, but there was some confusion uh, about the whole thing, and that led to them declining, right? They declined to do the song. It was then offered to Brian Ferry. It was then offered to Billy Idol, Corey Hart, The Fix. All of them were offered the song, and for one reason or another, they were unable to do it. So they brought it back around to Simple Minds. But these guys were re- really reluctant. They said they were they were really trying to break uh, here into the U.S. market because I guess they were bigger overseas and they were weary of recording material that they hadn't written themselves. Do you guys know who talked them into doing this song? Mm, no. no. Chrissy Hind. Chrissy Hind was actually married to one of the members of the band at really? the time. And yeah. she, she talked them into it. Um, and it worked. The song became a number one hit in the U.S. in May of 1985. And actually it worked well because it was Simple Minds only number one hit in the United States. So, yeah, at the time, Chrissy Hind was married to, I think, the guitarist of the band. I'm not sure about that, but she was married to one of the members of the band, and she, I guess, approached him and said, listen, man, this is a great song. You should do it. So uh, I think there was even rumors that the Pretenders were, it had, I think that it had been offered to the Pretenders, and like she went to them and said, I think you guys should do it. But it was always intended for, the, for it to be them. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, why did I pick this song? I picked this song because it's from the freaking Breakfast Club. Arguably. And Anthony Michael Hall is awesome. Arguably, or maybe not argue. He is. He's very, very, very nice. nice guy. Yeah, we met very him. Nice. He was, it was great. Argue, arguably, or maybe not arguably, I don't know, but um, might be considered one of the like pentultimum 80s movies of all time. Like, I think it's one of those ones that people just go back to. I would to agree with that. Over yeah. and over. Uh, considered like a very like. You know, there's a lot of films out there and people are like, nobody ever needs to remake it. I don't think they could remake this movie. Like, I don't think it's possible. I think it, mm. it is a time capsule. Uh, the, if they did, it'd have to be based in the 80s. I mean, I, mean, I, I think, think they could might do it. be able to somehow. Yeah, currently. No, let me rephrase. They, It is possible uh, they could, but it would yeah. not. There, I don't see how they could do it and make it good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd have to try and sneak through a lot of metal detectors. <laughs> <laughs> I just think and it would who, be... who has books anymore? Huh? All right, so sometimes yeah. I think things are captured, like, they're products of the time. Well, they definitely can go through the card catalog that one in that one scene. They're, they're oh, products of God. the time to the degree that... Okay, so if they tried to make this movie today, it would still have to be based in the 80s, in my opinion. Because... Kids acted different. There was a different atmosphere, a different vibe, and it just doesn't exist anymore. It's not the eighties. Definitely, I mean, they, they might be able to do the nineties. Maybe I still don't know that it would work. I so the other night, so I tried to watch it once um, a couple years back, and then I was reading the reviews on the new RoboCop movie. Aren't that they weren't that bad? So I tried to watch it again uh, the other night, and it's just not. Still, it doesn't work. No, they took everything, but they took everything that made RoboCop work and took it out. The blood and gore. But then I remembered when RoboCop was made. 
And RoboCop has a very cheesy 80s B-movie feel to it, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. And they try to polish that too much now, and it just doesn't work. And I'm like, could it... If you got the right person, the right director, maybe. But I just don't think anybody's vision is going to be the same. I don't I don't know that it would work. Well, the fact that most of it was practical effects and everything back then, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bad. Some of the effects in the original RoboCop are horrible. <laughs> but some of them are great. Yeah. So, right. you know. I think they use like claymation. They like, use stop motion parts. for quite yeah, that's all it. the Ed two hundred nines. Um, there's yeah. a lot of the there's a lot of clay. Or, Could uh, you stop imagine motion. them trying to do stop motion now? Sure. Yeah, they, they still, do it all the time. They still do it. Yeah, do they? Mm-hmm. There's a a movie out on Netflix right now. Stop motion. Yeah, there was that horror movie. The Wendell and Wild. That horror movie just came out too. That was all stop motion. So yeah, it's still yeah. done. Still, still done. I probably don't hey, know because uh, I don't watch horror. A different now, but want to know something fun? What's that? Always. There's a movie on my list that I haven't seen. What? RoboCop. You've never seen the first RoboCop? Nope. Or wow, you're going to RoboCop oh. three in the theater? Though. Don't. Yeah. What about no, two? No. 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 Uh, yeah. No. 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 That's Matt. like watching the, the only RoboCop I've ever seen is RoboCop three. So you basically oh, watched the you one that looks poor, like it was made man. for TV, and it's not even Peter Weller. You right. need Matt. You are the type of person that the first RoboCop was made so, for. So I ask you this. Have you ever seen Ice Pirates? Nope. Oh, that's my pretty That was gosh. random. Too. Sorry. Yeah. It's a movie. It was pretty. Uh, it's a good movie. Ice Pirates, it's great. But I, you are the type of audience that RoboCop was made for. Like, oh, yeah. You yes. would be the one to appreciate no, I've heard it's great. Everything. We'll, we'll do it for it. a Twisted Kid because I was. I think it's free on YouTube. I was that Twisted Kid. Like, the RoboCop uh, was one of my movies. Throw that on the list. Does that, it, uh, schedule it. Yeah, that was one of my movies that I remember getting to go see. And it was it was rated X originally, and they toned it down by changing some of the colors. But it's uber and cutting out a little bit. Doesn't X mean and they got pornographic? It to R. No, X does not mean pornographic. Yeah. Um, everybody assumes it does. I mean, but, it's typically associated with that, but no. It's, but it could be ultra-violent. Um, yeah. Like Evil Dead, for example, or was going to be rated Bill? X. No. Yeah. No, Kill Bill is not. Uh, Evil Dead was going to be rated X, so they just changed the color of the blood to like black and stuff, and it's how they get away with that stuff. So, hmm. black blood. Anyway, don't you forget about me and RoboCop. Somehow they go <laughs> hand in hand. Um, yeah. So let's go with the next hey, one. RoboCop, don't you forget about me? <laughs> don't you forget about RoboCop? <laughs> so the next one on my list is uh, well, here it's right here. I'm What was that face? You didn't know what song this was? No, I just didn't recall it being an acoustic at first. It's not acoustic. This is uh, Kenny Loggins, guys. Well, the, the first part, I'm like, I'm not, I don't recall it just being a guitar. That wasn't the first part. That was. Oh, yeah, no, it starts off. That's the beginning of the song. That's how it starts off. Anyway, this is I'm All Right by Kenny Loggins. Uh, the theme song for the 1980 movie Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Uh, the track was Never released as a single in 1980. What? Never seen it. <laughs> yeah, you are dead wow. to us. You're not dead. Let me. Okay, I should probably clarify. I've seen a lot of clips of movies that you guys have talked about, but only clips. So there's like no context, and then I go back and watch it. Not unlike Top Gun, which I did not see until. Yeah, well. Like, a month or two ago. 
and it's terrible. Yeah, there are it, movies. Not I, a good I know. movie. It, it, it holds this weird nostalgia for yeah, people. Yeah, did, did you watch the yeah. second one? Um, no, because I saw the first one. The second one's great. I hear the second one's really good, though. So second yeah. one's great. So, Matt, there are actually, there's, there's this group of films that have this weird nostalgia factor for people from the 80s, mm-hmm. and people love them, but I don't. Despite how bad they are. Well, some of them are bad. Okay, so I often say the one thing that'll make me dislike a movie is if it's boring. If I am just, there's yeah. nothing in it redeeming, and I'm just bored to tears mm-hmm. by the plot, and... That's not to say, I, like, I love dramas and stuff. It's just there has to be something. The character development, something. People love, for example, Footloose, but I don't. I don't like Footloose. I just think it's... I thought it was boring, I too. think it's boring. It's like they think they remember something being good, but it wasn't. And I know I'm going to step on toes, and he's gone now, so it's okay, because it's one of his favorite movies of all time. I've tried watching E.T. like 16 oh, times, no. man, and no, I just no, don't no, like E.T. No, very no, much. No, Not an E.T. Totally fan. agree. No. That was like the first movie I saw on a drive. Now, I get it. I understand why in the 80s, especially, people did like E.T. I was not amongst I them. I do want to see the horror movie version of it that was alleged. The sequel. What? The oh, sequel, yeah. Dark Skies, which yeah, Dark Skies. a lot of that plot got used in other things. But yeah, they were basically forcing him to write a sequel. And he wrote like a darker version of where the, the family gets abducted by like the gray aliens. And yeah, it's very yep. dark. Um, well, they use some of that. They use some of that in uh, something like a TV series or something. I don't remember, but uh, but yeah, I'm all right. Like, like Caddyshack is one of those films, dude. That people watched it. So the plot is loose. There's a very loose plot in Caddyshack, but the movie it's the just f- iconic for wasn't. so many scenes. Like, oh my god, did you really just say that, Stu? What? The plot was loose, but the foot wasn't. I ignored him. That wasn't even a good joke. Has this, no, this Kenny Loggins, just, other than that. Like calling it out. Yeah. I was just going to keep going, Matt. You shouldn't, don't let him get away with that stuff. Um, but this song is great. Now, Caddyshack 2 is a fucking train wreck piece of garbage movie that should have never yeah. been made. That isn't that debatable. Everybody agrees. Mm-hmm. But we have talked so many times about movies that aren't good but had a great soundtrack. How do you replace Jim, uh, Bill Murray with Dana? Because Bill Murray didn't want to be in it. You know, and apparently he's hard to work with. Uh, dude, yeah. Chevy Chase, starring Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Kevin Spacey, and so it's like uh, everyone that's blacklisted. Like, if you go listen, man, if you go Special through and guest read, Bill Cosby, if oh, you go through yeah. and read the list of stuff that oh, Chevy Chase has said and done over the years, I don't know how <laughs> anybody's ever worked with him. Right. right. He, you know, he finally and got Bill banned from SNL just for being a t- complete tool bag to people on the set when he came back to guest oh, yeah. host. And he got Bill kicked Murray's off community. Defense, out of all of the asshole things that he's been, you know, rumored to have done, still aren't as bad as the most of the people who are on the officially on the cancel culture list. Yeah. Uh what was it he uh who was originally somebody was supposed to direct vacation? It was somebody who needed the job, somebody huge now, I can't remember who it was, and they met Chevy Chase one time and declined the the whole movie. They were like, if he's attached, I'm not doing it. I guess he's just a complete tool bag. That sucks to hear, but yeah. It, it is does. I mean I thought it was great on community, but apparently yeah. yeah. Uh so he I guess he 
he and Donald Glover didn't get along so well, he didn't like Donald Glover and would say like really shitty things to him on set like constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the whole cast was like, if he's coming back, none of us will. So they killed him off. Yeah. Right. You know, they're doing a community movie, right? Oh. And they, they six seasons in a movie. Six seasons in a movie. All of them are coming back. So I think that's cool. Oh, damn. All of them. Including Chevy Chase. <laughs> you know, not wow. Chevy the Chase. The ghost of Chevy Chase. He's dead. Yeah. Um, they're going to do a Christmas episode that's basically a Christmas carol, but it's uh, so a Jacob Marley character. I would recommend you watching Caddyshack sometime, dude. Just uh, some Saturday afternoon when you just want a lighthearted film that you don't really have to think too seriously about. I mean, mm-hmm. that you just want to laugh and chuckle at the stupidity and the fun of it because that's what Caddyshack is. Um, Agreed. And then I dare you to and... watch Caddyshack too. And Stu, what you need to understand is the character that that Dan Aykroyd portrayed is not the same character as Bill Murray. He was supposed to be a different character. It just doesn't make any sense. So. Ah, okay. So. Uh, and then I got one more song on my list. I'm rounding it out with this one, guys. This is uh, the second most nostalgic one on my list after uh, Matt's uh, never-ending story. I think this one uh, hits home for me a lot, in some ways even more, but here you go. Goonies are, only I don't like that because it's not part of the title. We're just going to call it Good Enough by Cindy Lauper, released as a single in 1985 from the soundtrack of the film The Goonies. It was her fifth top ten single on the Hot 100. What would you say, Kevin? I actually thought about putting this on my list. Well, you didn't. I did not. Yeah. Um, Oh. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So bef- before its inclusion on the essential Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Put that in your slide whistle and slide it. Yeah. By the way, uh, the original director for Christmas Vacation was Chris Columbus. That's right. Chris. Col- no, not uh, Christmas Vacation. Vacation. It was Chris well, Columbus. I mean, it, like the story you're talking about. Yeah. Chris Chris Columbus realized that he could not work with Chip. So with was Chip it Christmas Vacation? They just said Vacation on the no, thing. It was, I was it was, yeah, it was Christmas Vacation. Um. So this before this before Good Enough was on the Essential Cindy Lauper in 2003, the song actually didn't appear on any of Cindy Lauper's albums um, because, and as heartbreaking as this is for me to hear, uh, she hated the song. Cindy Lauper hated really? the song. Um, I love the video because didn't they have pro wrestlers in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were two. It was a two part video too. Steven Spielberg had made Cindy Lauper the musical director for the Goonies soundtrack. And uh, she sought out new bands that she wanted to include on the project, including her friends, the Bengals. They were they were included nice. on that. Um, so she titled the song "Good Enough." That was the name of the song. And uh, but then Warner Brothers came in and said, "No, no, we got to change it. We got to change it to the to Goonies are good enough because they wanted the title of the film to be part of the song for marketing reasons." Makes no sense. Um, but whatever. I, I just thought it was silly, so that's why I say I always just call it good enough. I always have. Um, but I know it says go- Goonies are good enough, and then if the, the version in the movie, you hear somebody go, Goonies, Goonies, which is not on the actual song. So um, so she actually refused to play the song live after 1987 for a long, long time, but then she finally decided to incorporate it back into her live shows uh, during several dates in Australia in 2004, 
because fans kept requesting the song. Um, she eventually sang the first verse a cappella, and then she started putting it back into her shows and um, said so fans really wanted to hear it, so she added it in. I've heard stories, uh, not that she's a jerk. She's supposedly a wonderful person if you get to meet her in real life. She's as sweet as everybody imagined she would be. But I've heard she's not, she doesn't, she's not really big in playing some of her 80s stuff. Um, for whatever reason, she, she doesn't like to do it. She likes to do like more like newer stuff. So I don't know. Don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. So, so but like somebody's learning their true colors shine through. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shut up. Now, yeah. unfortunately, uh, she, she also has fallen victim to an unfortunate video online of her performing live singing to the heavens with her mouth open in an outdoor venue and a bird shits directly in her mouth. Yeah. 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 It's very famous. But if I recall her reaction to it is like priceless, right? Doesn't she just sort of go with it? Like makes a joke and moves on or some stuff. Mouthwash. I've heard she's just wonderful. Like to meet, like she's just really loving and kind hearted and sweet, but also won't put up with anybody's bullshit whatsoever. Which kind of didn't she fall to an ailment like when she was sick or she has some kind of like no oh no uh, I know what you're talking about Steve. I hope She's you're not talking the... about the commercial she does where she has like yeah uh, I got eczema eczema I oh is that eczema, eczema. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's not yeah. like dying or it's no, no, she gets see, some itchy skin sometimes I didn't realize it was eczema <laughs> right. okay. She's like didn't I'm she fall didn't she fall like yeah she was on Centix. Yeah, she does, she does commercials. Oh, okay. I thought it was something more serious than that. <laughs> no, it's just eczema, man. Well, I mean, eczema sucks, but... Psoriasis. Is it surplex or psoriasis? psoriasis. Right. She's got psoriasis of the liver. Uh, psoriasis of the liver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cirro- that's cirrhosis. Yeah. Thanks, Stu. Stu, <laughs> clear, clear that, that up. up for us. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Girls she- just want to have fun, but you can't when you got itchy skin. Try <laughs> Cosentix. That's pretty good, man. Uh, that's that's not good. bad. I like this. Dude's like, didn't she fall victim to some <laughs> ailment? Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> no, she didn't. Oh, no. I got inflammation of the elbows. Oh, shit. <laughs> she bopped my way on. I took a Cosentix. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> it was better when you're but, working on something. You're done. That's enough. Enough you told me you. to stop working on it, so now guess what? Um, by the way, going back to vacation, are you possibly thinking of Harold Ramis? No. He was apparently the director was of he? Vacation. Well, no, it, somebody. It, it, it was Christmas Vacation. It was Chris Columbus. They said okay. he like needed work at the time. They just didn't say Christmas on the thing I was listening to, and and, and, gotcha, and he turned it down because he said he met Chevy Chase one time. Was like, no, 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 thanks. So, no <laughs> talk tor- about a series replacing a character with another actor like every movie, though. Jeez. Yeah, that but that became part of the joke of the movies. Yeah, I think it was that his kids changed I, uh, changed people in ages. So. I'm I'm an acquaintance of one of the Rusties. Actually, I should probably see if I can. Yeah, you was it from European Vacation? That Rusty is it? Johnny uh, Galecki, Jason Lively. Yeah, no, Jason Lively. It's not Johnny Galecki. No. He played Rusty. Uh, there was a lot of people that played Rusty. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Galecki. 
Uh, anyway, Anthony so that's Michael it. That's our list. So we got um, some lists from outsiders. First of all, my wife said, well, I want to put together a list, so I let her put together a list. I will tell you what songs made her list. Uh, we mentioned yeah, Footloose. You hear that, Melissa? He allowed you to put together a list. Oh my God, dude! It. You know she's gonna. I'll, I'll, wow, she, you just started a fight. I, you know, you I talk. You know, I talk to Connie online on a regular basis. So I could just ask her yeah, to like no. not be nice to you. Oh, all right. <laughs> like Connie, Matt was acting up today. Please don't be nice to him. He's being a jerk. Yeah. Um, Footloose was on her list. Pretty in Pink by the Psychedelic Furs made her list. Um. If you were here by the Thompson Twins and nothing's going to stop us now, which nobody said, which is a little shocking to me as well. From Mannequin? Mannequin, yeah. yeah, The good one, not the bad one. I thought about putting... uh, That's a Bruce Campbell biopic. I thought about putting one for Vision Quest. Man of (laughs) Vision Quest. Yeah, with the Madonna. With the Madonna? With the Madonna. We could have done Who's That Girl? Yeah, yeah. I think that was 90s. Uh, No, it wasn't. Um, It was 80s. Wasn't yep. it? Shit. Yep. So we had a couple of people uh, holla, holla, holla online. Holla. 1987. Mr. Skiz, of course, said never ending story. And he also said Dr. Detroit from Dr. Detroit. Dude, that, yes. That, that's um, awesome. Yeah. All right. Mr. Metal Mikey. Holmes, too, likes. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Oh, I love Dr. Detroit. Uh, Mr. M- heard of it. Oh, God. Another one you got to watch. Yeah. Right. Put that on the list. That's Dan Aykroyd. There you go. Mr. Metal Mikey uh, said for non-scored material, you need to watch nothing but trouble. He he said um, he said he couldn't wait for non-scored material. One right off the top of my head is Riggs, Ra- uh, radar radar rider from Heavy Metal. So there you go. Um, then we had Miss Connie. Miss Connie came uh, with a hit us with a couple of good ones. First one she hit us with was Deo from Beetlejuice. Deo. Then she hit us with The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow from Annie. Oh, oh, I know. It was pretty clever. On the record, in case anybody's ever wondering, she rarely discusses these with me. She'll just ask for like clarification on what certain <laughs> things mean. Like, All right. When you say the theme song, like what, what does that qualify as? And that's probably why. Because I don't know if I understand what a theme song is either. So. What well, theme song would be the song that they consider to be the theme of the movie? The title. So not just a song off the soundtrack, yeah, but like, like played at the beginning of the movie. Not necessarily like, like a theme of a TV show. No, 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 not necessarily. It's like, what do you I, think I, of? What I, you think I this took is, it as the song that's most classified as being. Well, most movies will have a song that they consider to be. For example, I will give you a really good example. Um, let's look at a Disney. Let's look at uh, what's the winter one? Frozen. Frozen is a musical. There are a bunch of songs from it, but they have a theme song, and that is "Let It Go." That is considered the theme song from that movie. Yeah. So okay. sometimes you would think that a song is the theme song because it's more popular, but really it isn't. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Um, we also had from uh, we don't we don't really talk about them enough here on the show. We should the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. Um, he's very interactive with us online, and so please go over and check him out on Twitter, Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. Uh, he is one of the ones who mentioned Footloose. I was kind of shocked that none of us came up with it. And, of course, like I said, my wife came up with it, but he also mentioned Footloose as one he would probably add to the show. Uh, it was one of the shocking ones to me. There were a couple, and some that I didn't bring up in case we ever do another episode, but Footloose... The- 
the main reason why I never did any of the Kenny Loggins because I figured everyone was going to get. So the one that was on my list and got bumped, I really went back and forth, was St. Elmo's Fire. Once again, no one said it, and I was kind of shocked. Like, no St. Elmo's Fire. I mean, it's literally the name of the movie. Another one of those movie sucked songs good. <laughs> so, right. So I, we we could definitely go into a whole thing on movies that sucked, but they, they had good music. And uh, I know, like, Matt, what's, what's uh, oh, God, uh, Reality Bites. I don't like that movie, but everybody likes the soundtrack, right? Yeah. I, 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 I specifically. I do not like, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, because Lisa Loeb is on it. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but My Sharona's on it. You know, it's 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 kind of an infamous soundtrack, but I don't like the movie. Yeah. So we've talked about doing that I don't that know a lot. if I've ever seen the whole movie all the way through. Mm. I, I get that and singles associated with each other a lot. Like, I think they came around around the same time. Yeah, they. So. I believe you're right. They're both kind Got of a little bit of an overlap on slow and plotting. I think. Um, so there you go. There's our lists of what we would, you know, songs we would pick from '80s soundtracks. Uh, you can of course write us. Let us know what you guys would pick. Uh, easiest way is your mixtape pod or your mixtape podcast at gmail dot com. Let us know over there. Um, we have some interesting stuff coming up. The uh, launch, so how do I don't know when the launch of the YouTube channel is going to take place. What I can tell you is that we are going to be filming our first episode a week from tomorrow, so a week from Monday. Uh, then it's just a matter of when, how easy things go, and if Matt can get it up right away, we'll see. Yeah, they got a little we'll blue pill. Yep, we got a little blue. I knew pill. that joke was coming. So. If he can get oh, it up, Matt can get it. I right, gotcha. He's talking yeah. about erectile dysfunction. Yeah, it's not a joke, Stu. Yeah. Lots of men suffer from it. It's a very real it. thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, that first episode, and we're kind of overwhelmed with how many views we've gotten from the teaser. I Matt made it, and, and we kind of put it up, and I was like, yeah, he's like it's on it's on I, private, and I was like, nah, we're, make that. We're shocked, man. I said, make that <laughs> shit public. Let people see it. It's a teaser, and he did, and. uh Wow. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just the teaser. Now, so, hey, if everybody who's watching it would just subscribe, that'd that would be help. great. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because thousands and thousands of views and like 20 subscribers. So we got like 22 now, actually. To, tell, to yeah. kind of give you guys real, 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 real quick, and then we're going to close this episode out. Real, real quick on what to expect over there. Uh, Twisted Kids. We're going to be doing over there is video cast. Now, they will be probably about 30 minutes or under. We're not going to be doing like epic two-hour-long shows on those. It'll be probably like, you know, we're not going to watch the movie. What we're going to going to do is we're going to watch the movie, and then we're going to get on there. We're going to discuss it, complete with clips and stuff from the movie when we see it. Apropos to do that, uh, then there'll be also little things on there, little reviews of stuff that maybe we see or concerts we go to, five six-minute-long reviews, um, places we visit, cool shit we find that might be uh, related. Um, and some other things that we have planned. So, you know, go over there yeah, and check it out. Episode announcements. Yeah. Um, just, you know, maybe the occasional hi. interview with a guest kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of those interviews will be up there as shortened versions, um, things like that. So check it out. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Um, if you guys have a minute, please subscribe to, to the podcast also. And please share and leave us a review. That'd be great. We've gotten a couple. Uh, reviews, but not that many. So please leave us some. Hey, we are going to be doing an episode. Uh, we're going to be on Behind the Funny here soon. Uh, 
and then they're actually going to be yes, doing an episode with us. If you have not been checking out Behind the Funny, you should go check it out. I know that Matt has become quite the fan of the show. Yeah, um, thoroughly enjoying. Yeah, they're really it. good. So, and a, a, a really entertaining show. Um, and then they just all through October did this whole like it's so weird because mostly they do like <laughs> um, comedians and stuff, but through like October they talk to like people from like ghost hunting shows and stuff like that. And I was listening to some of those; it was a lot of fun. Um, but we're Which, looking by forward the way, to it. Uh, Scott and Ace. If you are ever in Kansas City and want to do a ghost hunting thing for Scott Tober, I am totally in. So I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, I would too. We could, you could come here. We could go to Mansfield Reformatory. I've been there before. Did a ghost hunt. Or we're also right by um, uh, Bobby Mackey's. So. Oh damn! Okay. Yeah, that's well, I, I said haunted. I didn't. Want, I don't want to get possessed. <laughs> you can do. <laughs> you can do <laughs> ghost hunts. A demon. You can do ghost hunts at Bobby Mackey's. I've, I've, yeah. Uh, Waverly. That's not too far. There's like a bunch of stuff around here. So. Jesus. You guys yeah. got like all the heavy hitters. We, I'm trying to think we, of we yeah, know. Yeah, there's a lot around here, man. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a fucked up place to live. Let me just tell you that. It snowed yesterday. I don't want to talk about it. Don't say anything. Yeah. You, you're fuck you, Matt. Yeah, Matt. We don't. We. Why did you just say fuck you, Matt? I don't know. I just felt like saying. <laughs> yeah, what did I do? He blamed right. you for the snow, to, man. You, you, oh, sorry. I sent snow your way. Yeah, somehow. you did. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Dick. Yeah. Um, hey, Canadian white rapper, come back. <laughs> And uh, he can't. He's yeah, not allowed yeah. in the country. Um, Still, we could do a white rapper show, but there'd only be three. So yeah, <laughs> DC boys. Yeah. I mean, if you counted Jim Carrey's uh, parody, third base. I know. Yeah. I was kidding, guys. Well, Damn, uh, chill yeah, out. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot more House of pain. Yeah, House according of pain. to Eminem, there's a million of them just like me. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. All right, so I think that's it for this episode. Again, uh, please go check us out online. Uh, we appreciate it. Please stick around for more good, geeky goodness coming soon. Uh, thank you all. Please send in your picks, and Matt will add them to any playlist that he puts up. Um, and check those playlists out on Spotify. Uh, but I think that's it. So we thank all you guys for listening. And remember, until next, we speak here on this show to always... Stay, Stay awesome. awesome. Thank you. Stay awesome. Man, we need to thank you. Turn around. Look at what you see.